Adriana Quinones has a full house. Her Chihuahua mix, Reina, skitters around her apartment. Two girls she nannies play a computer game in the living room. Adriana's mom, Monica Ruiz, helps with paperwork at the dining table. Did you sign this, sweetie? Yeah, you did. Okay. Like a lot of us, Adriana, who's 30, would like one more person in her life, a boyfriend. I like to, like, go out to eat. I like go to the movies. You know, just walk around the park. Um, cook together. And watch, like, TV. And that's it. Doesn't seem like much to ask. I mean, especially from someone who makes you feel right at home when you visit, putting out great coffee and mugs. But like a lot of us, and I'm raising my hand here, Adriana has had some really difficult relationships, in dating, but also in friendships. Hanging out with the wrong crowd kind of thing. Adriana has learning and intellectual disabilities, and that can magnify problems. That's hard for me, like, choose, like, good, per- you know, like, friends and stuff. I'm Jennifer Shveta Jordan. This is a valid podcast. We're in our third season, and we're talking with adults with intellectual and learning disabilities about relationships. We'll also be hearing about ways to support people with these disabilities so they can have positive relationships. That includes dating, friendships, community. And later in this episode, we hear from Temple University Institute on Disabilities Director of Criminal Justice and Sexuality Initiatives, Dr. Beverly France. She'll speak about the importance of sex education, Award-winning podcaster Aaron Gannon also joins with commentary throughout this season of A Valid Podcast. Because there were so many different issues and stories to learn. I've worked with Aaron not just in podcasting, but in the group home where she lives. I'll share some of my experiences, too, with her and other group home residents. I've chauffeured couples, helped pick out ugly Christmas sweaters, and coordinated phone calls between love interests. And supporting couples who have intellectual disabilities to have the opportunity to talk together on the phone, to be alone in the same space, it's not as easy as you might think. A lot gets in the way. Now we head into our first conversation of this series with Adriana and her mom. And just as it has for everyone else, the digital age has caused some particular problems in Adriana's experience of relationships. Like, I feel like, I don't know, like lonely, like, I feel in love, not pay attention. When I text this person and didn't answer me, and then, and I noticed they're, you know, online, and I was like, okay, what's going on? Are you okay? <laughs> like, I need to note that in today's episode, there are references to rape and sexual assault that may trigger some listeners. Point Park University student Claire Lindsay interviewed Adriana and her mother. Adriana showed Claire around her apartment, sharing her latest hobby. She presses colorful diamond-shaped plastic pieces into slots on a plastic canvas. It's called diamond painting. This is the um, Joseph, Mary, and then Adriana lives in a great old two-level house along the T-line in Dormont. The five rooms give her space to spread out her crafts, enough room to host the kids she dannies to. 
She's worked hard to get where she is. When she's determined to do something, she's going to do it. <laughs> One thing that's been tough on Adriana is her parents' divorce. They separated when she was a teenager. Her dad started a new family in Cleveland. And disabled or not, that's tough, right? One predictor of positive romantic relationships for women is their relationship with their dad. And Adriana's has been rocky. Oh, well, my dad is like really difficult right now, you know? Like, um, like for example, like on my birthday, he texted me on my birthday. He didn't even call me. Hey, happy birthday. Yeah. So that was really sad for me. Adriana spent her early years with her dad's parents in Puerto Rico, while Monica and Adriana's dad went to school in the U.S. So Adriana's first language is Spanish. When it came time for Adriana to go to school, she joined her parents in Cleveland. She says the language difference made learning in the U.S. tough. English is, like, hard. Like, reading and reading a book. I don't like to read a book. <laughs> and writing is hard for me. English. It's hard to know where Adriana's disability begins and learning a second language ends. Adriana went through special education courses throughout her schooling. She wasn't talking very much in kindergarten, and so she repeated kindergarten. You know, once we got to, like, first and second grade, we were told, you know, I think there's some learning disabilities here. Is there something, you know, we, we need to start performing some tests and things. And, you know, we were told we don't think she's going to make it out of the fifth grade. We're like, well, okay, well, if that's what it is, that's what it is. But let's just see if there's something that we can do. Adriana got help. She made it to the fifth grade. And while she had to repeat the grade, she kept going. We have another evaluation at that time. And, and you know, again, they were like, well, you know, she'll probably never finish high school unless she's got, like, you know, a lot of help and whatever. And then and she'll, she definitely won't be able to go to college. The family was told that even if Adriana did go to college, her work options would be limited to repetitive tasks. Adriana has probably been in every enrichment program there exists, oh, yes. right? Um, a word. Yeah, and just trying to get her exposed to things because if this is it, this is it. But if, the, if it isn't, then it isn't, right? And if there's one extra skill that she learns, you know, because we're doing 20 extra things, we're okay with that one extra skill, or no extra skill. And finally, I graduated in high school. She did. She did graduate. Yeah, she did. She And with high, with honors, she got straight A's. You know, she ended up taking classes at CCAC. That's what I'm saying. Like, when somebody receives the right supports in the right environment, amazing <clears> things can happen. And yeah. we just need to provide more spaces in our world for that. <laughs> podcast is working to create more space in our world for conversations like the one you're hearing. A Valid Podcast comes to you from the All Abilities Media Project at the Center for Media Innovation at Point Park University. We support people with disabilities to produce podcasts and other media and host disability-focused events. We're supported primarily by charitable foundations. But if you like what you're listening to and want to support our work, please, by all means, head over to allabilitiesmedia.org. Back to Adriana. Around the time that Adriana was graduating, she was faced with a new hardship, and that's putting it lightly. A family member sexually assaulted Adriana three times. She was 18. 
The years since have included other betrayals of trust. A boyfriend raped Adriana. And when asked if there was other physical or financial abuse over the years, her mom jumped in. All of, all of the above, yeah. And then one night last year, a friend kept texting Adriana to come to a house party. She went. There was dancing, there was drinking into the morning, and at some point, Adriana blacked out. And I couldn't remember how in the world. So I woke up in the hospital, I'd be like, I thought it was a nightmare for me. She was a passenger in a truck that crashed. A man at the party, the driver, told police he'd had four beers. The car was, it was a pickup truck. And on the news, you can see it's just like one big ball of metal. They had to cut her out of it and she could have died. She was, she was very lucky to be alive. They knocked an, an, a utility pole completely out. Um, and then the impact hit her side of the car. Adriana's pelvis was fractured. She had surgery. The accident took place in the early days of COVID. She was in Mercy Hospital in downtown Pittsburgh for three weeks. Her mom was only able to visit once a day for an hour. She's back on her feet now, able to run around with those kids she nannies. And Adriana is also working now to learn the nuances of good relationships. A therapist helps her identify red flags. I see my counselor like every every week, every once a week, and she was very nice. And we always talk about like red flags and stuff. If we see red flag, we're like, what do you think about it? And then we like, you know, write it down and stuff. And you know, it helps. It helps with the red flag. What, what, can you give me some examples of what red flags are? Um, well, example, it's like, well, guys like use you and take advantage of you. Um, just, just throw out the bus and <laughs> like, oh, I, you know, like I, I did when I with this person and that's it. They're like, okay, you know, <laughs> like you, you know, it's like you heard from them like they come over and then you just heard from me like months and years and they just want to like, oh hi, how are you? I'd be like, okay, like. Really? What a miracle, you know? <laughs> like, why you're texting me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adriana's experience raises the question, how do any of us learn to navigate relationships? Dr. Beverly France has an idea. She directs criminal justice and sexuality initiatives at Temple University's Institute on Disabilities. Dr. Beverly says comprehensive sex ed could teach boundaries, healthy relationships, consent, and dating violence. But Adriana wasn't offered sex ed in her schooling. Adriana returns in the next episode of A Valid Podcast. Public Source is co-publishing A Valid Podcast this season. The online publication has long been a leader in Pittsburgh-area disability coverage. One recent story I invite you to check out in particular is about one of the musicians for this very podcast. Pianist Jane Andrasek. Jane's an accompanist for the Woodlands Foundation, which hosts music camps for people with disabilities. You can learn more about Jane at publicsource.org. And now to Dr. Beverly from Temple University. She spoke with Liz Reed for a valid podcast. What are the most common misconceptions about people with intellectual disabilities and sexuality? 
um, one of the most common misconceptions is that they're asexual, that they're not really interested in having a serious relationship, getting married, having children, um, self-identifying as who they are instead of, in quotes, the system suggesting that everyone is heterosexual. And I think that we do it because we are so uncomfortable talking about sexuality. To what degree are people with intellectual disabilities actually receiving sex ed? Even if a school district offers sex education, we don't know if students with disabilities are included. The Department of Justice just released their statistics on crimes against people with disabilities. So they say the rate of violent victimization is almost four times higher for people with disabilities than without disabilities. And females um, with disabilities are at a rate of violent victimization 49.4% compared to females without disabilities at only 11.3%. Now, what they do say in, in their study, it's very hard to get to people with disabilities to actually just ask them the questions, have you ever been a victim? Because a lot of individuals with disabilities live in group homes. So how do you access a group home? How do you access an institution? How do you access somebody, even if they're living with their family? Does the family answer? Does the individual answer? So even though these statistics are very high, they probably are lower than what is really happening. Students with disabilities often have what are called IEPs, or Individualized Education Plans. Um, If a parent, or even a student for that matter, wants to get sex ed into an IEP, what do they have to do, and how likely are they to succeed? Ah, it's a loaded question. Generally, IEPs focus on negative aspects. A student isn't doing X, Y, or Z. They're not generally talking about including a proactive strategy very seldom ever do you have anybody that's willing to talk about healthy sexuality. And we always encourage parents to bring it up. If a parent brings it up, unless there is somebody that they've already made a connection with that understands the importance of sex education, it just isn't heard. People with intellectual disabilities are going to make mistakes, but they're the same types of mistakes as people without disabilities make. Um, And so sex ed can help them limit the amount of mistakes they might make, help them to understand the consequences, and to feel comfortable talking to somebody about whatever they're thinking or feeling or is going on. We have parents that are constantly, and I I absolutely mean this in all sincerity, call us on a regular basis and ask us where they can go for their son or daughter to get sex ed. One of the people in your department, um, Paris Boyd, pointed out that in a study about LGBTQIA people with disabilities, one woman in a same-sex relationship was told by her parents that they would stop providing life-sustaining care if the relationship didn't end. Do you have a sense of how often LGBTQIA people with intellectual disabilities are receiving positive support? We don't know that. And we don't know that because... We're still somewhat hesitant 
to talk about anything other than heterosexuality. What about group homes? Um, Knowing that the turnover rate for staff is between 50 and 85 percent a year, what can they do to better support their residents or clients? Uh, Well, we've been struggling with that for a long time. The Office of Developmental Programs in Pennsylvania has put out a bulletin and has asked all provider agencies that they license to have comprehensive sexuality policies and training for their staff. It is not a mandate. So you have a high turnover of staff and you train all your staff. And in two months, you have a turnover. And then how do you retrain those other staff? We've also heard from staff, why am I here? Why are you doing this for them when nobody did it for me? We forget that people without disabilities are sexually abused and physically abused also. Pennsylvania is uh, one of the states that has passed legislation making it easier for police and prosecutors to investigate cases and take them to trial. What do you think of the effectiveness of that legislation? We just don't see that many people reporting to police. So we can do police training. But how does the victim actually access police to report what happened? If they live in a group home, who's going to make that phone call for them? Because a lot of times people that live in group home, even though there's a telephone there, they don't have access to it. Agencies like to do their own investigations, and they make a determination whether they think it's legitimate or not. How does that victim actually get to the police? That's where some of the self-advocacy groups have been extremely um, wonderful. Thanks to Dr. Beverly France of Temple University's Institute on Disabilities for sharing her expertise. And now I want to bring in a conversation with Erin Gannon. Erin inspired All Abilities Media with her award-winning podcasts. She interviewed her parents about raising a child with Down syndrome. Erin has Down syndrome. Erin says her family's example has taught her a lot about love. What, what did you learn from them? Not just um, the way they like each other and just... Watching them, they have a connection. So what are the, some of the things that you are, what's like something you see that tells you they have a connection? I can tell because they have that, like, so like a, you just can't, um, you can't see it, but they feel it. Aaron herself had a great romantic relationship several years ago. He was a lot of fun. Easy to talk to and... He was the most wonderful person I ever dreamed of having him as a boyfriend. We went out for dinner for my birthday, and sometimes we kiss, but not all the time. Sometimes what? Sometimes we kiss. It was going really well. At the same time, a family member was trying to connect Aaron with a different man, a co-worker. He said to Aaron, I hear you looking for a new boyfriend. I'm like, I know I already had a boyfriend. That turns like a big mess and a half. My coworker persisted. He tried to kiss me. In the office? At work, he tried to kiss you? Yeah, he tried to kiss me. Oh. My boss said, no, we can't do that. Yeah, that's like, you get harassment stuff now. Yeah. 
the real boyfriend stepped in. So he ended up calling him to back off. And that's what broke you up? Yeah. Aaron said she and the boyfriend talked, and the whole thing just got to be too stressful for both of them. The breakup, it was not based on my decision or his. We made it together. And of course, I called his house and just I wanted to wish him a Merry Christmas. And then after that, his mother hung up on me and said, you broke his heart. No, I did not break his heart. It was both our decision. So, um, do you think you'd ever date someone again? No. Really? Never? Never. After what happened, I wouldn't. Wow. That's kind of sad to me. Because some nights I end up crying. Now, years later, Aaron feels at peace about it. We'll hear more of Aaron's story and Adriana's on the next episode of A Valid Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This work is part of the All Abilities Media Project based at the Center for Media Innovation at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh. The director of the CMI, Dr. Andrew Conti, is executive producer. And from interviews to music, the cover art for this podcast, the majority of us producing this have one or more disabilities. Others on the team don't identify as having disabilities. Public Source's Hallie Stockton was the lead editorial consultant for the podcast. Liz Reed of Joel Tone Productions is our audio engineer and sound designer. And portions of this podcast have also been recorded at Raincat Studios in Jensen Beach, Florida. Point Park University's Claire Lindsay conducted research and interviews for this series. Claire's work was supported by funding from the Pittsburgh Media Partnership. Disability advocates Dr. Rachel Callum-Whitman and Aaron Gannon consulted on the content of this podcast. George Castleberry created the original harmonica piece used in this very episode. I'm Jennifer Shveta-Jordan. I publish Unabridged Press and also work as the All Abilities Media Project Manager. And on behalf of our team, I am so grateful to Adriana for sharing some really difficult stories with us. I hope you'll check out the great photos of Adriana that accompany this podcast. Please visit publicsource.org.